So glad to be here today. Good to see everybody. Uh, looking forward to this message. Anticipation. Is anybody here old enough to remember Carly Simon and the song that she had back in the 1970s called Anticipation? You know, every time I think of that song, I think about this uh, commercial back in 1979 for Heinz Ketchup. And you got two little boys and the ketchup is, he's trying to pour the ketchup slowly, the hamburger, and the song kicks in, anticipation. And every time I hear that song, I think about the hamburger. And even now I'm getting hungry just thinking about, <laughs> thinking about that. But, but you know, that's kind of at the, that's sort of at the core of this message today. It's, it's titled Life After Life. What are you expecting? And how is it affecting your life now? And so uh, we're going to talk about anticipation. Um, when I was a kid, the most hated sound in my house came on Sunday night. At 6 o'clock p.m., I would grimace at the foreboding sound of a ticking clock. You all know what I'm talking about. 60 minutes would come on. <laughs> Great show. Nothing against it. It's a popular TV show. But to a kid on a school night, that meant the end of the weekend and it meant the beginning of another school week. You know, uh, the joy and the excitement that I had at 3.20 on Friday, it dissipated and was replaced with the dread of Monday morning. I had to go to bed early. I had to be clean. I had to make sure I had clothes. I had to think about, did I do all my homework? Was there anything I had to do? I had to consider the weight of the week that was to come. And man, as a kid, I hated that sound. Even today, if I'm watching football and I know that 60 minutes is coming on, I quickly turn it off CBS. I don't want to hear the clock. <laughs> Sunday evenings are still tough. I still live for the weekend, you know. But, you know, once the week starts, you start to notice something. Something happens. You start to anticipate the next weekend. Every Monday, I make a point to ask my wife, what are we doing next weekend? Just so I can kind of get it in my mind. You know, what's going on? Um, but I noticed that I started to look forward to things, um, you know, things that would kind of get me through the week, you know, little mile markers. Hey, Monday night football's coming on Monday night. I got that to look forward. You know, Tuesday, we've got something going on on Tuesday. The women have, the, I think, the Bible study for the girls on Tuesday. You know, then, then Wednesday, it's hump day. All right, we're halfway through. You know, Thursday comes along, we've got the Bible study, the men's breakfast. There's, there's little markers that help me to kind of make it through the week. And then Eventually, ta-da, it's Friday. What a day. I walk on, I walk on air all Friday, you know, at work and everything. But as the weekend draws near, that sense of foreboding decreases, and the anticipation of the coming weekend takes over until it comes to full fruition, and Friday at 5 o'clock, it's, it's the weekend, okay? It seems like life is a series of events, isn't it? It's just one event after another. We're always looking forward to something. What's coming next? You know, it, maybe it's some event that you, maybe a vacation you've got this coming up. There's always something that kind of gets us through the week, and we're always looking for what coming, what's coming next. And I find comfort in the realization and the knowledge that the week does not last forever. There's rest ahead. Now, the longer I'm alive, the more that I begin to understand that we live on a broken earth. This earth is groaning under the weight of sin, and it seems like it's getting heavier and heavier. You know what I'm talking about. Read the newspaper. We all see it. 
It's dreadful. And if we don't watch it, it can really affect how we go through life and the way that we look at life. But we all understand as Christians that even in these tumultuous times, that the sovereign purposes of God are unfolding. And this ain't going to last forever. But even though we know that, we still have to plod. We still have to press on. We still have to endure. And one of the things we all have in common is we face the same fate. This mortal body is going to fail me. I noticed that at the gym yesterday when I was on the treadmill. My knee was kind of giving me trouble. My mortal body is failing me. So if that's going to happen, what are we faced with? We all ask the question, whenever my body fails and it's over, what then? What happens when I die? Is it just over? Is there something beyond this vapor that we call life? You know, God has graciously given us a glimpse at what's coming up, what's coming next. Where am I going and what's it going to be like? You know, how we answer those questions are directly related to the hope or the despair that we deal with on a daily basis. We humans have a very broad horizon. Now, what do I mean when I say that? We all have a sense that we're heading somewhere. We know this because we live in time, right? Time won't let us stand still. It moves us forward. It thrusts us and propels us forward. So we can't stay where we are. So this is why we plan this is why we take steps to control the trajectory of our life because we're moving forward and we can't stop it from happening. And so it begs the question that each of us ask, where am I going? I mean, ultimately, where am I going? And that raises two additional questions. Who am I? And what kind of a thing, what, kind of, what, what, what am I? Am I just a physical object, a brain, a body? No, this is important because what I believe about who and what I am dictates what I believe about where I'm going. What I believe about who and what I am dictates what I believe about where I'm going. If I'm a materialist, then I'm nothing more than a physical body and I'm going back to the dirt. That's where I'm going. But as children of God, we've been told that there's more. That we have an eternal future with God. As Christians, that sounds pretty good. A future with my Creator? So who am I? I'm a person that God knew before the creation of the world. I'm a person that He created with a purpose and with a future in this world and in eternity. So what am I? I'm a born-again believer. I'm a child of God. That carries great weight. So I know that I have a future with God in eternity. But what does eternity look like for us believers? It, there's sort of a shroud of mysticism about what's coming and how, and we try to understand and put together what, what it's going to be like. And it makes me think about the Sadducees. Y'all might remember in, uh, 
And you can find this in Mark 12, 18 and Matthew 22. This is when the, the Sadducees are trying to trip Jesus up. And so they come to him and they're, they're asking him a question in an attempt to kind of cast doubt on resurrection and the afterlife. Now remember, the Sadducees were a socioeconomic religious group. They were a sect of the Jewish people who were active in Judea in the Second Temple period. Um, they tended to be the wealthy upper class that were involved with the priesthood. And one thing to note about the Sadducees is that they denied the evidence of the spiritual world and they denied life after death. So you may recall the encounter. They come up to him and they present this dilemma to Jesus. And, you know, as you go through the New Testament and you see how Jesus responds, he is such a master communicator. He always has the exact right thing to say, so much so that they finally just quit testing him because he just, he just kind of kept putting them in their place. But you, you remember the encounter. They come to him and they say, okay, Jesus, there's seven brothers. One of them marries a wife and um, he dies without children. And so his brother marries her. Second brother dies without children, and so the third brother, and all the way to the seventh brother, and they all marry her and die without children. And so you can see the cocky look on their face. Well, so whose wife is she when she gets into heaven? Now, this is um, described, they're, what they're talking about here, if you didn't know, is the, is the idea of the Leverite, the Leverite marriage. This is um, if your brother takes a wife and dies without offspring, uh, you're supposed to marry her so that you can have children, and those children will be accredited to your deceased brother, thus preserving the land that's within the family. So it seems like a legitimate question. It seems like it poses a, a great dilemma. Wow, <laughs> they've got you now, Jesus. What are you going to say? Who's, whose wife is she going to be? It's a real conundrum, right? Well, not for Jesus, because what Jesus said is critical to what we're learning tonight. Here's what his answer was. Jesus says to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage. But they're like the angels of God in heaven, not what they were expecting. So what do we, what do we glean from this that Jesus is saying here? Jesus explained that there is, in fact, a continuation of life after death. So he's, he's affirmed that. And he's telling us that that life is quite different from the life that we have here now. Quite different. So we see that we're going to have a different life, but not just different. We learn that eternal life is not going to be a continuation of these worldly arrangements. It's not just like we're going to die and wake up and, oh, there's Margaret, my wife. I guess, uh, you know, it's not a continuation. It's a completely different order. We can't understand it at this point. But it's a complete, so we know that resurrection life is different. Okay, we're going to talk about that. It's something that's completely different. It's not just a continuation of what's going on here. And I might add, it's something that right now we're not really equipped just yet to fully understand. If you go look at 1 John 3 2, it's a verse that um, I really like. It says uh, um, that. We are called children of God. We learn that what we will be has not yet appeared, but that when Jesus appears, we will see him as he is because we will be like him. So what does that mean that we will be like him? Well, our present standing with God is plain, right? We're children of God. That's what he says. But currently, we don't have the kind of details that we'd like to have about the life after this life. What we do know is that 
what we will have is not currently found on this earth right now. We are destined for change. It's a change that transcends the limitations of our understanding. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 with me in verse 51 through 57, where Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed from this perishable body, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Hmm. So we're learning a little bit more here. Through the Bible, Jesus and the prophets have given us some earthly examples of things to come to try to aid our understanding. But on the things to come, as we will see, we, we still can't really quite grasp them because we're just not equipped yet. But we can learn some things about it that will comfort us and encourage us. We're left with the understanding that our life, after this life, is going to be a time when we are fully developed in what God intended us to be. Fully developed into what God intended us to be. Don't you wonder about that? What, man, God, what are you doing with me? And, and, you, and we see it. We see ourselves uh, transforming and we see ourselves getting closer and we see ourselves making improvements. Hopefully you are. I mean, that's the goal, right? To do better and to get better. But one day we're going to wake up and we're going to be something totally different. We are, there's going to be a time when we will see the sinless display of God's glory in our eternal lives. It's awesome. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. He's laying it on like, guys, you don't even understand what's coming, but it's going to be awesome. And so I stand on that. It's going to be awesome. That helps me. So let's talk about some of the things that were taught about life after life. It's clear from Scripture that the life that's described in the Bible is better than this life. It's something to be hoped for. We can all have tremendous peace and confidence about our present life when we hear what Jesus has to say about our life to come after this life. We don't have to fear death. Uh, we might be inclined to think of death as an end. You know, when we think about death, well, so-and-so died, right? It's a, it's a time period. It's something that happens. It's a, it's a point in time. But if you look at the Bible, when it talks about death, it's not talking about it in the same terms. Death is a door through which we pass. Death is just the beginning. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he dealt with these, those who questioned the resurrection of the dead. And he tells us that we're given a new life. He tells us that we will be transformed. Let me stop there. Let's, let's think about the word transformed. I was looking in the Cambridge Dictionary, and it says that transformation is defined as completely changing the appearance or character of something or someone, especially so that the thing or person is improved. Hmm, that sounds about right. Transformation. We're told that we are going to have a heavenly body as opposed to an earthly body. I bet my knee won't hurt when I get my heavenly body. So what's the heavenly body? What, what is this heavenly body like? 
He says that our earthly bodies are buried in brokenness, but they're raised in strength. Okay, all right, now we're getting somewhere. New body, raised in strength. We're told that our heavenly bodies are imperishable. Can somebody say Superman? You know, no decay, no deterioration, indestructible, can't be destroyed, can't be wounded, can't be ravaged by sin. He tells us that we're raised to live forever, transformed into bodies that will never die, eternal. But guess what? If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're living your eternal life right now. Eternity. Eternal. Eternality. Jesus gives eternal life. So we know that it's a gift that comes through Jesus Christ. It's a gift that's in contrast to death, which is the natural result of sin. John 17, verse 3 says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Hmm, what is eternal life? We're going to know him. We're going to know Jesus. We're going to know God in ways that we can't imagine. There's an intimacy that you just can't even describe right now. But we're going to know him in this way. That's eternal life. Eternal life involves a relationship and a connection with God that surpasses any other relationship that we have. That's awesome. It's a state where we have a capacity to know Jesus in ways that we can't know him right now. We can't comprehend it. Eternal life is not just an unending progression of years. It's qualitatively different than what we experience. It's independent of time. Uh, it's, eternal life is something that we already possess. Like we, we mentioned that earlier. And uh, John 3.36 tells us that we have eternal life. In other words, it's a current possession that we have now. That's awesome. And I'm talking to you guys who have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If you want this and you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you need to come get some of this. You need to talk to me when this service is over. We also learn that, it, that life after death is connected to life before death. So what do I mean about that? For instance, in John 10, verse 9, and also in uh, John in verse 28, Jesus remind us, reminds us that entrance into eternal life with God is through him. We learn that the way that I'm going to experience eternity is connected to how I'm responding to God now. We also learn that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, that relationship extends beyond our earthly life into eternity. So we've got a relationship with him now that's just going to keep going and get, getting better and stronger and, and more close. We're told that eternal life is precious. Uh, we learn in Mark 8, verse 36, that life in Christ is not only eternal, but it's more precious than all that the world has to offer. It's precious. Revelation 21.4, it says that in this eternal life, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. How precious, how wonderful, how encouraging that is. Man, you think weekends are great. Wait till you get to, wait till you get to heaven. <clears throat> you know, Paul was so convinced of this that he says, hey man, to die is gain. 
I mean, he, was, he, he knew that to depart and be with Christ was far better than what was going on here. He understood it. He knew that. And we also learn from Jesus in John 5, verse 24, that our eternal life is one where we don't come into judgment. Not in the same sense that the unrepentant sinners do. What a relief that is. In John 5, it says, for an hour, John 5, verses 28 and 29 says, For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I'm so thankful that I'm going to be resurrected to life with Jesus. We learn also that from John 8, 51, that we as Christians are never actually, we're never actually going to see death. You know, if you're a Christian and you're planning on dying, you're going to be sorely disappointed because we're going to cross from one form of life and existence to another form of life and existence. I think about the thief on the cross. I think about him in, uh, in Luke 23 is a good account where he, you know, uh, he recognized Jesus as Lord and he showed a belief in the promise of everlasting life through Jesus. And remember what he asked Jesus? He asked him, he says, hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, you know, the thief is really asking Jesus to be, is asking Jesus to remember him at some point in the future, you know, perhaps on the day of judgment. But Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. There was an assurance that the thief would be directly in the presence of God. We also learn from Philippians 3, verse 20, that when we live in eternity, we live as citizens of heaven. Now, I want you to think about this. Citizens, guys. Citizens, citizenship comes with a lot of perks. We're not resident aliens. We're not documented workers. We're citizens. And if you want to think about it, think about Paul and what his Roman citizenship meant to him. You know, he got out of a lot of trouble, saved his bacon a couple times, didn't it? Whenever he, they found out he's a Roman citizen, because citizenship infers certain rights. But not only are we citizens, guys... In Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, we learn that we are sons and daughters of God, and we have an inheritance. Wow. The more I look ahead at what's coming, the easier it is for me to cope with the journey. You know, I know this mortal body is going to fail me. I feel it every day. I know that the day is coming. But better than a weekend, better than a vacation, better than retirement, I'm refreshed and I'm strengthened in my anticipation of that day when I get to cross over and be with Jesus in eternity. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, many of us have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life. We're, we're born anew. And I would, just, I, I would just say, if that's something you haven't done, you need to contemplate this because our paths are completely different. You have got to take this seriously. You need to be so. You need to look at this sober-minded and let what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you respond to it. You don't want to be on the outside looking in when that day comes. We're born into eternity. Let's stand on the promise that we are eternal, and that we're going to be resurrected into a new order of life that's going to be incomprehensibly wonderful. Yes, we need to wait patiently for the Lord. And yes, we're going to endure trials and we're going to endure, endure tribulations. He warned us of that. But it seems to me that we can, even now, proclaim our citizenship in heaven. We can, 
even now lay claim to our status as a child of the Most High God. We can wait patiently with a joyful anticipation of what we're assured is coming. And in the meantime, we have work to do. There are people that are hungry. There are people that are, that are having all kinds of problems that, that we have the ability to respond to and help. We need to all respond to God's call on our life, whatever that might be. That's what we need to be doing. John Bunyan's classic work, The Pilgrim's Progress, is entitled, From This World to That Which Is to Come. Now, Pilgrim's Progress tells the story of a Christian and his journey from the city of destruction, representing the earth, to the celestial city, representing heaven. And after this pilgrim had traveled many miles and fought with many adversaries, when he got to the other side, the angels came out to welcome him. It's an allegory. It's an allegory that ends on a really good note, a triumphant note for this faithful pilgrim. You know, I imagine that when we get to the other side, we're going to understand that all of this was worth it. We're going to have a whole new understanding about this and that our light, our momentary afflictions were just preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all of our comparison. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we just want to thank you for this precious gift that you've given us, Lord. Let each of us be renewed and rejuvenated by the promised resurrection into a life eternally in your presence. God, give us insight and understanding that will carry us through the tough times to our better day. And Lord, we lift in prayer those who are living in despair that don't know your wonderful son, that they're going to see his light and that they're going to respond in faith. So tonight, I'm going to conclude just by challenging you. Don't worry. Be happy. Better days are coming. It's going to be all right. Thank you so much, everybody.